Welcome to the Factory Youth Podcast. This is a weekly teaching podcast from the Factory Youth at Calvary Chapel, Vera Beach. All right, so if you have a Bible, we're going to be in 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1. This is towards the way, way end back of your Bible. Um, if you have a, uh, a physical Bible, um, if not, the app will make it nice and easy for you. 2 Peter chapter 1. And a Shane taught last week about reasons you may feel stuck in your relationship with God. And we've all been there, right? We felt like we've plateaued or we've hit a wall. God seems quiet or situations are hard or maybe even you've stopped investing. And so you've, you've, I have this like gift of being like mediocre at a lot of different things. Like I'm okay at pickleball. I'm okay at basketball. I'm okay at golfing. Like I can hang, you know what I'm saying? But I'm not good because I've, I get to a point where like I can hang. I don't need to invest anymore. And I think there's a tendency in our relationship with God where we're like, I can hang. Like I know, I know the Bible verses. I know what to do in worship. Like I, I've been there. I've got that. And so we plateau and we feel stuck. And so tonight sort of at that same mindset, I kind of want to continue where Shane left off. Um, and talk about how we continue to move forward. What are some of the things that we do that would actually cause us to grow? Specifically, how we continue to grow and become more like Jesus. This is our aim. This is our goal. This is what we live for. Now, this is the process of what we could call spiritual formation. Or the Bible language would be to be a disciple to be somebody that is allowing the character and the lifestyle and the person of Christ to shape how we live our lives. Because the truth is, we are all being formed by something. Uh, our upbringing forms us. Our parents form us. Your uh, YouTube subscriptions form you. Your social media follows form you. Your Snap group chat forms you, the music you listen to forms you, the shows we watch, for, like all of these things, they, they, they make, uh, in a sense, who you are, right? So your social media, your Instagram algorithm that's unique to you is, is forming your way of thinking, right? It's forming um, how you, even it's forming like what you do during dead time in your day, right? Everybody, you know, like you ever have the phantom vibration? We're like, oh, somebody texted me and nobody texted you. You're like, pull out your phone. And even like, it's so crazy. Even the phone, like being out on the table or me just talking about the phone gives like a, like a little need of like, I got to check it. I just got to open it. You ever, I like to do this with my phone. I like open it and I go like this. It's just like, don't go to any apps. <laughs> it's just like a, a weird, right? Because it forms us. It forms not just our thinking. It actually, the, the, this isn't a message about phones, but it should be. Um, it actually, it forms our, our actions, our behavior, not just our thinking. It's crazy, the power. The, the point of that is all of it is shaping us, right? It's, it's, it's creating your character. It's creating your identity. It's creating where you're going. And unless we're intentional 
The things are deforming us away from the character of Christ. So not only as Christians do we need to be formed, but we need to be counterformed from the culture in which we live in. Imagine life is like a rushing river flowing downstream. Imagine your whole life is this. All people in existence life is like a river rushing downstream. And when we spend five hours a day on our phone or we listen to whatever music comes on or we engage in whatever form of gossip or talk with the the people around us or we just pursue our passions and our pleasures or positions, we are moving downstream, okay? All of life is is moving downstream. In fact, this is what the Bible would call the course of this world. Like the world that we live in naturally is moving in a direction, and I'm not speaking to the fact that we're, the earth's spinning on its axis and it's, axis and it's moving like a gajillion miles per hour f- hurtling through space like while it's spinning. Like I'm not talking about the course of the world in that sense, although the, there is a course of the planet earth as it spins and flies through space. You think, ever think about that? Like who's driving this thing? Like we're on a planet hurtling through space at like a gajillion miles an hour. Like who's, okay, anyways. Um, There's a direction, a culture of this world. And when we place faith in Jesus, when you say yes to Jesus, it's like you stand up in that river. Okay? The river is flying downstream. The course of this world is going a direction. Everybody's being formed by their Instagram algorithms and the music that they listen to and their Netflix uh, watch list and all these things is forming them. And then you say yes to Jesus, it's like you stand up in that river. All of a sudden you see... Whoa, people spend nine hours a day on their phone. And you see like, wow, people just talk about whatever pops into their mind. And people cut down others. And, and, and why, do, why do people seem so selfish and self-motivated? All of a sudden you stand up in that river. But we need something. We need a goal. We need a direction that will actually help us move upstream. You see, the point of our life is to not just not be formed by the world, but to actually be formed, counterformed from the world into the character of Christ. Are you hearing me? So we need something that will help us move upstream. This is the process of spiritual formation where we actually begin to place disciplines and practices into our life that transform and form our lives. So what does that look like? I've titled this message, Virtue Adding. Virtue Adding is what we're going to talk about tonight. 2 Peter 1, 3. This verse is like a cheat code verse, I feel like. These verses, like, I was reading these verses in preparation for today, and I'm like, I can't believe this is in the Bible. This seems so, it's so helpful. (laughs) Like, it's so clear. It's so helpful. Okay, you ready for this? This is like, so helpful. I, I was reading this like, wow, this is beautiful. Okay, this, we're talking about spiritual formation, being formed in the image of Christ. Listen to this. The Peter's writing. This is the same Peter that walked on water, denied Jesus. The same Peter that uh, preached to thousands but then was intimidated by Jews and Gentiles. Same guy, okay? He's in a journey, and he says this. God's divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. 
Through these, he's given us very great and precious promises so that through them, you may participate in the divine nature. Okay, you may participate in the divine nature. In other words, he wants your nature to be replaced with a divine nature, with a godly nature, okay? Participate in the divine nature. Having escaped the corruption of this world caused by evil desires. In other words, having stand, stood up in the midst of that river that's flowing downstream, he says, for this very reason, listen to this, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control and to self-control perseverance and to perseverance godliness and to godliness mutual affection and a mutual affection love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measures, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't that a, it doesn't seem like a hack verse. Like this verse, I'm like, yeah, this is it. This is what we're talking about. This is the direction our life should go in. All right, two things that allow for us to be transformed for this text, all right? Two points will be done. Number one, divine power. Divine power. I love this verse. Look at it again in verse three. It says, his divine power. Now, this is the same power that spoke all things into creation, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. This divine power has now given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who has called us by his own glory and goodness. Let me put it this way. You have everything you need for Christ to be formed into your life. You have everything you need. You don't need to join a monastery. You don't need to uh, uh, sail across the ocean. You don't need to uh, sell everything and give it to the poor. Now, as your journey... As you journey in your relationship with God, he's going to call you to give up things and go places and do things. But the point is, is because of his divine power, you have everything you need for a godly life. Now, when you spend time with God, pursuing the things of God, walking in the ways of God, God transforms your life. This is the Holy Spirit at work in the life of the follower of Jesus. When you place faith in Jesus... You are sealed with his Holy Spirit. And the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is now actively at work in your heart and in your life. And he is at work. And while he's at work, we yield to what he's doing in our life. Part of the follower of Jesus is learning to identify the voice of God and then yield to his voice speaking to you. This is like in the moments when you're doing something you shouldn't be doing. You ever been there? And there's that, that little sense inside of you that's like, sure about that? You're going to do that? Hey, there's like that alarm bell that's kind of going off. And you have a choice, right? You're like, I'm going to do it anyways. Or you're like, I'm going to reluctantly do it, but I'm going to do it anyways. Or you, you choose, you know, I'm, I'm going to fight. I'm going to stand up. I'm going to listen to the Holy Spirit in me, and say yes to him, yield to him, and not do what I'm feeling. Galatians calls this the fruit of the Spirit. Everyone say fruit. fruit. Everyone say fruit. fruit. The fruit of the Spirit. Listen to it. Galatians 5, it says it like this. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there's no law. 
Those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Keep in step. Yield to the Spirit. He's going. He's moving. We keep in step with Him. Now listen to me. Fruit is a byproduct of being planted in the right place with the right environment. A tree doesn't struggle to produce fruit, right? We don't hear trees straining or stressing. They don't sound like you at the gym, right? Trees don't sound like you trying to make gains. It doesn't sound like you. A tree planted produces fruit. When a tree is in the right place, in the right season, it will produce fruit. The point is, listen to me, is to be planted in the right place so that the right things are produced in your life. So the question is, are you planted in the right place? Are you allowing the fruit of the Spirit, the divine power that's at work in your life, producing the character of Christ in you and through you, is a byproduct of you being planted? It is a fruit of the Spirit. It is a byproduct of being in the right places. Are you spending time with God in a personal way? Are you sharing what God is doing in your life with others? Are you looking for opportunities to serve God and to serve others? Are you actively attending and participating in church? You see, when you're planted in the right place, the right things are produced in your life. I'm going to say that again because there's a lot of peas in it and I liked it. When you're planted in the right place, the right things will be produced in your life. It's a byproduct. It's not you trying to figure it out. It's not you trying to have to get your life together. It's you planted in the right place, yielding to the Holy Spirit at work, and as a result, the fruit is being born, birthed in your life. It isn't up to us to produce fruit. It's up to us to be planted in a place where fruit is produced. If you're following your own feelings hanging with the wrong people, or giving in to every sinful desire that you have, the things of God are not going to be produced in your life. Right? If you're like, I just, I just, I just do whatever I feel like doing. Eh, I feel like listening to music. I feel like listening to worship music, so I'll turn on worship music. And eh, I don't really feel like it, so I'm not going to do that. I feel like waking up early and reading my Bible. Oh, I don't really feel like doing that. I feel like going to church. I feel like hanging out with the right people. You, you see, w when you're following simply how you feel or your own desires or your own emotions, you're not gonna, God, the things of God are not gonna be produced in your life. But when you're yielding to the spirit, when you're planted in the right place, when you're denying yourself, the things of God will naturally come out of you. That's why some of you can, can testify of this, of you being in the right place, and all of a sudden, characteristics or patterns of thinking or, 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 or ways of treating people, it seems like, it's like you lost it. It's like it fell off of you at some point. Like, man, I used to always talk about people like this, or I used to always talk like this, or I used to always think like this. And some way along the line, it just fell off of me. I have more love, I have more peace, I have more patience, I have more kindness and goodness. It's a, it's a fruit of the Spirit. But then there's a second part. This is where Peter gets really interesting. Because what Peter's talking about in the verses we read is different than the fruit of the Spirit. Okay? The fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, pay, all of that is a byproduct of abiding, of being in the right place. Does this make sense? Are you hearing me? Just like a tree who doesn't strain to produce fruit, 
So the fruit of the Spirit being produced in your life is a byproduct of you simply just being in the right place, yielding to the Spirit. But then Peter takes it a step further. And Peter begins to talk about personal participation. It's point number two. Everyone say personal. Everyone say participation. Really enunciate those P's. Say personal participation. <clears throat> Listen to verse four. It says, through these, he has given us very great and precious promises so that through them, here it is, you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. This is a really interesting thought because there's a tendency that, that, that right believing will automatically produce right behaving. But right believing doesn't automatically produce right behaving. Right believing is a great foundation. We need good theology. We need to understand what God's word says. That's why he says in the beginning, he's given us very great and precious promises. We need the right foundation. We need the word of God. We need to understand this is what right believing is. But right believing doesn't produce right behaving. I said this, I, I taught a couple weeks ago in the sanctuary, and I said that we've all seen people that have been to church their whole life, and we look at them and we're like, it, I don't think it's working for you. Right? It's like, you're 100 years old, you've been to church since like the dawn of time, and you're still like the grumpiest person I've ever met in my whole life. Like, I can't believe you are talking to your spouse that way. Or I can't believe you're, you're complaining that much about the volume of the music. Like, there's something not quite right here. Because right believing, listen to me, doesn't automatically produce right behaving. We need both a direction and an action so that Christ is formed in us. No saint, you guys know who the like, saints are? Like, that's big in Catholicism and other things like that, but saints. No saint woke up one day a saint. Right? A saint didn't just like wake up and they just had like a name like Bernard. I'm just kidding. Nicholas. <laughs> You're like, wow, that's just, we gotta throw a saint in front of that. <laughs> the saints, the saints are people of personal prayer sacrificial service, and daily dedication to the things of God. Like there are people that, that literally gave up everything to follow in the way of Jesus. And after they were gone, people honored them by saying, these were people that were committed their whole life to the things of God. Now in this passage in particular, Peter's doing something interesting. He lays out a vision and an action that we're to take to allow Christ to be formed in us. It's practical virtues that we are to add to our lives. That's what he says. Take these virtues, these characteristics. And they're not, it's not a fruit of the Spirit. He's not talking about the natural byproduct of abiding in Jesus. He's saying there are characteristics that you need to add to your life. There are virtues that you need to add to your life. I did a project not too long ago with my dad where we were putting together a couch. We're over, like, it's, you know, it's like an Ikea couch or whatever it is, and we're like, okay, we're going to put this thing together. My dad looked at the instructions, 
threw them out of the room, classic dad move, then started, listen to me, started grabbing random pieces of the couch from the box, holding up those random pieces. And then my mom, listen to this, my mom was flipping through the instructions, trying to find the page of the piece that he had in his hand, and then trying to tell him how to put together those pieces that he had in his hand. So random pieces, she's like, right? Oh, that's page 10. Try this. My dad's like, and they were getting frustrated. It wasn't working. We, at one point, I literally snapped, and I'm like, Dad, put it down. Mom, turn to page one. And let's follow the instructions systematically until we arrive at the couch that we long for. <laughs> and I didn't say it like that, but something like that. It was like, we're doing it backwards. We're, we're doing it wrong. Like, in order for us to arrive at couch, we need to start at page one. When you do a project, the best way to do it is to look at the final product Right? Usually the final product's on the front cover of the instructions. You see the final product, so you have a vision of where you're going. And then you open it up to page one, and you start adding the pieces together. This is how you produce the final product. This is true in our formation. We look at the final product, which is Christ formed in us. And then we start today, and we begin to follow in the way of Jesus. Pastor Jim said this on Sunday, in order to have the life of Jesus, we have to adopt the lifestyle of Jesus. We don't get Christ formed in us by doing whatever we want and thinking we're going to arrive somehow, somewhere down the line, like these good, godly, generous people of peace and love and invitation and hope and hospitality and all of the things that make the way of Jesus so appealing doesn't happen by us just, oh, turn to page seven, do whatever you want, and we'll figure it out. And here in this passage, we get some pieces to add. Real quick, we're going to break it down. The first thing, it says, add to faith goodness. Okay, the baseline is faith, right? He, he already assumes we're in faith. He's talking about followers of Jesus. He's not talking about salvation. He's recognizing we've already placed faith in Jesus. Sin's forgiven. We're restored to God. We're called into his way of life. He's placed a, a, a heavenly purpose on our life. We're beginning to walk in the things of God. That's, that's the beginning. That's faith. That's when we come to the point where we're like, I need Jesus. I can't do this on my own. But then he says, you got to add something to your faith. Not for salvation. That's already done. But for formation. Are you hearing me? Not for salvation. For formation. He says, add to your faith goodness. Faith is a starting point because being virtuous doesn't make God love you more. Because without faith, it's impossible to please God. So these things come from salvation. Then he says, add to your faith goodness. Goodness is participating in bringing God's good into your world. Okay, where is, where is there darkness and decay? Where is there brokenness and isolation? Where is there hurt and anxiety in your world, in the people in your life or in your own heart? Okay, how can I bring God's good into that? How can I redeem and bring hope and light into the darkness, into my specific world? Add to your faith, goodness. Then he says, add to goodness, 
These are like pieces. This is, okay, turn in the page. I love it. It's, it's laid out so clearly. Okay, faith. Do you have faith? Awesome. Add to your faith goodness. Bring God's good into the world. Okay, cool. I'm doing that. I'm actively participating in bringing God's good in the world. Amazing. Add to your goodness knowledge. Now, this knowledge is not information, but it's experiential knowledge, right? There's a difference between knowing about or knowing in your head and knowing, meaning knowing personally, right? Like there's a difference. I can know about people online, but I don't know them personally. This idea of knowledge is about experiential knowledge. This is really the source of all these virtues. Becoming more like Jesus requires knowing what Jesus is like. That should have been like a, not really. Becoming more like Jesus requires knowing what Jesus is like. The problem with a lot of, a lot of Christians is they, I'm going to use the same example. It's like they, they looked at the front cover one time. Oh, I got the gist. I know what Jesus is like. And then they're going in a direction. You're like, ah, I don't really know if that's really him. I don't know if that's like what he was all, you, you got part of it maybe, but I don't think that was him. Like he was full of grace and truth. Like he was, he said, uh, neither do I condemn you, but he also said, go and sin no more. You see, like Jesus was very balanced in his life. And so, so we need to recognize like in order for us to add these things to our life, it really comes from Experiential knowledge, knowing Jesus personally. So add to goodness knowledge. And then, okay, I, I'm, I'm still growing. I'm still getting to know him more and more. We don't evolve from one to the other. It's kind of like a, it's kind of like a spiral that twists down that gets closer and closer as it gets more and more to the bottom. Like don't think of things as like A, okay, check, done. Think of it as like a circle spiral that's moving closer and closer, more intimately down and down to where you're adding to your faith, goodness, and goodness, knowledge. Just every day, closer and closer, you're not even thinking about it anymore. That's kind of the idea. Okay, add to knowledge, self-control. Jesus said if we want to be his disciples, we must deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow him. Self-control is us actively denying ourselves. We live in a culture that says if you feel it, want it, or think it, go for it. Self-control is the ability to go after something greater than our impulse or feeling. Self-control. Eyes up here. Look at me. Oh, that was powerful. <laughs> Self-control is the ability, to, the ability to go after something greater than our impulse or our feeling. Some of you don't feel close to God or aren't growing because you give in to every appetite you have. Everyone. You're like, I want this, I do it. I'm hungry, I eat. I'm lonely, I text 100 people until I'm not lonely anymore. There's silence, I turn on YouTube, Fortnite, and I don't know. If, it's probably pretty outdated, but like all the things at once. <laughs> you guys are like, Nate, you need to retire. You're too old for this, man. Um, right? Like, you give in to every appetite. Self-control. Deny self. In other words, have a, have a greater desire 
than the immediate desire. What's the greatest desire driving your life right now? Okay, add to self-control, perseverance. Perseverance is the ability to keep going despite doubts, difficulties, discomforts, or distractions. It's to endure through life, through the difficulties, through the pain, and recognize I'm moving. I've got a vision for my life. I've seen the front cover. I know what he's calling me into. I've got a vision for my life, and I'm going in that direction. Add to perseverance, godliness. Forgiveness, patience, faithfulness, and holiness are all characteristics of God. But primarily, in this context, is holiness. I wonder what you think of when you hear the word holiness. It's an interesting word. It's it's probably not a word that we um, ascribe to a lot of people. Right? Like, oh man, I think of this person and there's just a holiness to them. If, you, if it is, I wonder what it is about their life that you think, yeah, that's, that's what it is. Okay, add that to your life. Add to holiness or godliness, mutual affection. I like this one. This is treating people well that treat you well. This is to care for friends, family members, and fellow Christians. Add to your self-control holiness and add to your holiness mutual affection. But then ready, he takes it even further. He goes, but don't stop at mutual affection. Add to mutual affection, love. This is self-sacrificing, other-centered, non-reciprocal love. Man, it is good to have mutual affection. Amen. It is a great place to start. Yeah? Like to love those that love you. To look out for those that care for you. That is fantastic. Love those that love you. Start there, right? Love your parents back. Love your siblings. Care for the people in your life. Respond to texts. Look out for people when you haven't heard from them in a while. Have mutual affection. But listen to me, don't stop at mutual affection. The call of the Christian is not to stop at mutual affection. The call of the Christian is self-sacrificial, other-centered, non-reciprocal love. Mutual affection is to have mutual feelings and actions towards. Love is expecting nothing in return and still treating them with love. What what of these, (coughs) I'll invite the worship team back up now, but what of these, we just list off seven, right? Add to this, to that, to this, to that. What what of these are lacking in your life? I wonder if if you looked at this list, and you were to be honest with yourself, and you're like, oh man, goodness. I think goodness is not doing good, it's being good. You know the difference? Doing good is like, doing good is like, yeah, I'm doing good things. I'm being, like, I'm nice to people, I'm kind. Being good is like deeper than that. It's actually bringing the ultimate good into life. Like, man, I struggle with goodness. Or maybe you're like, no, I'm, I'm all right. I struggle with self-control. I just, I can't even, I can't even be away from my phone for 10 minutes. Like, I'm like, oh, I need my phone. It's like in the other room. You're like, oh my gosh, where's my phone? You don't need it. Self-control, right? You're like, oh, I need, I need this. Thought pops in my head. Oh, I got to do that. Okay, self-control, you know, that, that is an area that's, that's being formed by the river that's flowing away from the things of Christ. And I need to be formed counter to that 
into the things of Christ. You're like, oh no, I'm, I'm pretty good at, at, at self-control. But man, perseverance. Every time something bad happens, I want to give up and just do a cannonball into that river that's flowing downstream and just end up with everybody else. I, I probably to say to all of you, you're young, maybe early on in your Christian journey. Most of you, although some of you have grown up in the church, probably more recently coming into youth group age and more independence and thinking for yourself, you're probably pretty young in your faith journey and your relationship to God. And can I tell you, there are going to be so many things that are going to push against your life of following Jesus and Christ being formed in you, that's going to cause you to go, I'm going to cannonball back into this river and I'm just going to go with the course of everybody else. I'm so sick of having to say no to the invite to that party. I'm so sick of the comments that people are saying because I'm choosing to do other things. I'm so sick of the loneliness because I said so, no so many times, now my phone doesn't even ring. I'm so, I'm so discouraged by the prayers that seem unanswered. I, I, I'm filled with so much worry about my future and, and I just don't know if I'm doing the things that God wants me to do or how do I know I'm going to end up where God wants me or all of these things. It would just be so much easier to just cannonball back into that river and go with the course of this world. He says, add to self-control perseverance. Don't give up endure, keep moving forward. And don't forget your secret weapon. What's your secret weapon? Well, it's what the, what the text started with. I'm gonna, let's read it again, because I'm going to read it again. His divine power, ready for this, has given us everything. Somebody say everything. Come on, somebody say everything. Everything we need for a godly life. Man, does that give you hope? Does that give you, like, comfort in knowing, like, I have everything that I need for a godly life? His divine power actively at work in you can keep you. There's staying power in his divine power. There's endurance power in his divine power. There's hope power in his divine power. There's peace power in his divine power. Don't give up. Don't be discouraged. Keep going. Trust that God's working in your life and add to what he's doing in your life goodness and godliness and self-control and all the rest.